Good morning. It's great to be with you here at the 11. Uh, a few of you might not know me. Um, my name's Roger, and I've been coming to Grace Church for about eight years. Moved to Nottingham initially as a student and have stayed around, given that it's the finest city in all the land. Um, I'm married to Sarah. We're just in the midst of moving up to New Baseford, so looking to meet new neighbours. So if, you, uh, if you're from around there, do come and chat to us afterwards. And I'm really looking forward to sharing God's word with you this morning. We had such a wonderful time of worship together. I feel like I'm already uh, using that as a springboard for what we're going to look at in the Bible this morning. Uh, so in a second, we're going to read from Mark chapter 7. But before we do that, I'm just going to pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is life to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would come and move this morning by your spirit and speak to us in our hearts. Amen. So if you do have a Bible with you, uh, why not turn to Mark chapter 7? If not, the words will come up on the screen. And I'm going to read from verse 24. And from there he, that's Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Hallelujah. Well, if you're like me, in hearing the passage this morning, there are a few things that are a bit confusing on the face of it. When we meet together as a home group on Thursday evenings and study the Bible, we often start with something we call shockers and blockers. So we look at things that shock us about the passage and things that block our understanding. And there might have been a couple of blockers for you in hearing the passage. It might have been, uh, who is this Syrophoenician woman? What does that word mean? Or it might have been, why is Jesus telling this strange metaphor about children and bread and dogs? What's, what's going on with that? Well, as we spend time together looking at this story, I'm really trusting that we'll get beyond these blockers uh, and that God's word is going to speak to us in a powerful way. So, Jesus has been busy teaching and ministering in Galilee, and now he heads north into what is modern-day Lebanon, and I looked it up, it's about 35 miles from the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus has been teaching, up to the city of Tyre. And that's actually quite a long way to walk, uh, particularly if you're in sandals, I imagine, for Jesus. So he's leaving the bustle of the crowds behind and withdrawing for a time of rest and a time of preparation. And it has been an intense time. He's had various clashes with the Jewish religious teachers. He's had vast crowds following him, pressing into him, asking him for healing. 
And he's also encountered difficulties and challenge. Just, just earlier in Mark's account, Jesus has been in his hometown of Nazareth. And there he's been rejected by the people who don't want to listen to what he has to say. And so here Jesus is. He's not seeking the attention of the crowds, but is withdrawing to rest. And yet, he doesn't get a lot of peace and quiet. Mark tells us that immediately, a woman came and fell down at the feet of Jesus. So, what do we know about this woman and her situation? Well, Mark tells us that she's a Syrophoenician, which is a long word. Your Bible might have it as a Syrian Phoenician. Um, but this just means that she's from the area, the region of Phoenicia, which is in, uh, was in Syria at the time. The important thing for us to realize is that she's a Gentile. She's not Jewish. She wasn't considered one of God's people, Israel. Jesus has gone to Gentile territory. And this woman is probably a widow. We don't, we don't know, but there's no mention of her husband. And we also know that she has a daughter who is suffering under demonic influence. Now, the concept of the demonic is not something that we talk a lot about in our culture. And if it's something that you've got questions about or are confused by, then I'd really recommend the talk that Marvelous gave a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago now, uh, where he was looking at uh, a story in Mark 5 and uh, looking at a man who was under the power of many demons. And that talk is on the website if you want to go and find it. We'd really recommend it to you. Uh, in that story, uh, Mark, the author, gave us a really vivid description of what the demonic looked like in a person and also of the beautiful transformation that occurred when Jesus freed him. But in our story this morning, we don't actually get any of that detail. But from uh, the actions of this daughter's mother, we know that the situation must have been really desperate. And we, we don't know what other options the mother might have already tried, maybe other spiritual healers, other natural remedies at the time. But it's quite likely, I think, that this woman felt out of options, that she'd exhausted all of the possibilities uh, for her daughter's restoration. So this lady, this Gentile lady, comes to Jesus and begs him for help. And a couple of weeks ago in Ruth's message, actually, we saw another really desperate woman in need. And in that instance, all that she did was touch Jesus' cloak, touch his garment, and she was freed, she was healed. But that's not what happens in this story. Instead of that instant healing, that instant freedom, Jesus instead tells this woman a strange story, a metaphor about children and bread and dogs. He says, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And I've been thinking about this. Jesus isn't wrong, you know. What kind of parents would take the food from the plate of their children and uh, throw it on the floor for the dogs to eat? No, that would be completely wrong. It is indeed right that the children should have their fill first. But what does that mean? Who is who in this metaphor? Well, throughout the Old Testament, we see a number of occasions where God is referred to as being the father 
of the nation of Israel. If you look back to Exodus uh, chapter 4 and verse 22, God himself instructs Moses to tell Pharaoh that the Jews um, are God's firstborn son. So the Jewish people at this point in history where Jesus was teaching, they would have had an understanding of themselves as being God's children, his people, his chosen nation. Um, So if the children are the Jewish people, then the dogs, in the metaphor, that's everyone else. And that probably includes you. It definitely includes me. Um, And it also includes the lady in our story this morning. So for us to be able to understand what Jesus means by this, I think we need to understand the context of his time on earth. And Jesus was born into a Jewish family in the land of Israel, and his ministry on earth was primarily to the Jews. So Matthew 5 and verse 17 tells us that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's the whole Old Testament. And if you look in your Bible, you might notice that most of the action happens before Jesus actually walks on the, on the earth. If I find the beginning of, uh, of my New Testament here, you'll see that actually kind of three quarters of it is before Jesus is even born. But all of that stuff, all of these pages are pointing to Jesus. All the law and the prophets pointing to the very person of Jesus. And the other thing about Jesus is that he had a profound sense of purpose and a profound sense of timing. Jesus tells his followers in the Gospel of John that he only does what he sees the Father telling him to do and that he only speaks the words that the Father has taught him. He wasn't just coming to earth and freestyling his way around Israel, kind of making it up on the fly and seeing what happens. No. He was very aware of his mission, aware of his purpose as he walked the earth. So why does Jesus say this metaphor to this Syrophoenician woman? Well, I don't believe that he was saying it just to get this lady off his back, to get her off his case. Uh, That might well have been my reaction to being disturbed during my rest time. Probably been there having a nice read, sitting there with a cup of tea, frustrated about the interruption. But that's not Jesus. That's not the Jesus that we know. Doesn't sound a lot like him. No. Jesus told this metaphor to reveal something of the heart attitude of this woman. And we need to hear Jesus' tone of voice in this passage in what he's saying. It's not one of anger or frustration, but one of gentleness and kindness, actually. I imagine him saying this with a smile on his face and a smile in his voice as well. You see, Jesus left this woman with an open goal. Why do I say that? Well, although I have neither children nor pets, I've got a reason to believe two things. The first is that children are absolutely, little children in particular, are hopeless at transporting food neatly from plate to mouth. I mean, I think I'm pretty good at it, but I've watched my niece. She can get it on the face, on the clothes, and absolutely on the floor as well. I think that's just a reality. And the second reality is that 
household pets, in particular dogs, from my experience, limited though it is, they seem to get a pretty good deal out of the family mealtimes, feasting on, on the scraps, sometimes even the, the choicest cuts. And this woman knows that. She sees, through this metaphor, an opportunity. And she absolutely nails it. She sees that even according to Jesus' metaphor, she stands to benefit from the overflow of the bread of life that he offers, which is his healing touch. She says, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And there's something beautiful and profound in how this lady approaches Jesus. She comes with amazing humility and amazing confidence. She accepts the fact that she isn't the focus of Jesus' ministry, that she isn't uh, from the nation of Israel. She's not one of those children of Israel with a seat at the table. She doesn't try and argue the fact with Jesus or try and demonstrate why she should be considered as, considered as a special case. No, she knows that she doesn't deserve Jesus' attention here, but she's confident nonetheless, that he has the power to change her circumstances and the goodness to care about her. Why was she so confident in Jesus? This Gentile woman and this Jewish man come together. Why was she so confident that he would meet her needs? Well, maybe she had heard the snippets of news floating north from Galilee where Jesus had been teaching with such authority Maybe she'd heard about the crowds pressing in on him and how many, many were healed. Maybe she'd even got wind of the story that Mark tells us a couple of chapters earlier, where Jesus fed the 5,000 people with just a handful of loaves and fishes. Maybe she'd heard that on that particular occasion, there were 12 baskets worth of food left over after everyone had eaten and on this particular day in history, this Syrophoenician woman was about to enjoy a similar overflow of Jesus' goodness. In Matthew's telling of this same story, Jesus declares, O woman, great is your faith. What commendation from Jesus. You see, Jesus sees her faith and he loves her. Jesus' goodness pours forth and her daughter is freed in that very moment. You see, Jesus loves it when we come to him with faith. Way back in Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, we see that Abraham, who was the forefather of the Jews, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God promised him that his offspring, Abraham's offspring, would be as numerous as the stars. And the people of Israel thought that this particular promise applied just to them as a nation. But they missed all the signs throughout their history as a nation that God would send a savior who would bring salvation to all who believed. And that savior was Jesus, the son of God who lived a perfect life and then did something that was completely incomprehensible to the Jews. He went to the cross, condemned unjustly, and took upon himself all the sin, all the pain, all the curse of the whole world. 
I'm going to read a few verses from Paul's letter to the Galatians, which was one of the early churches of Gentile believers. Um, It's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. Know then, that is, those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And then a few verses later it says, In Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham has come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So, now for us, those of us who have faith in God are truly the children of Abraham. And we now have a seat at God's table where his bread of life is served in abundance. We are included in the people of God and that term doesn't uh, anymore refer to the Jewish nation. Although we don't deserve it, God invites us to come and sit and feast in his presence. Hallelujah. Now, there's a really important word in the, in the passage that we read earlier in Mark that you might have missed. And that's a small word, the word first. It says, well, Jesus, in fact, says, let the children be fed first. And although I said earlier that we are the dogs in the passage, in, in the metaphor, well, actually, that's not quite right. You see, Jesus came to earth as a Jew to minister primarily to the Jewish people, but in order that the gospel with his grace would be proclaimed to the whole world. And that includes us here today in Nottingham, England. He fed the children, Jesus fed the children through his ministry on earth to Israel. But then as he hung on the cross, He broke down the distinctions between Jew and Gentile forever. That all who are hungry can come and eat at his table. So as I said, God's people no longer refers just to an ethnic group, but to a global community of believers. And so we can be confident here this morning that we've been brought into God's family and that we are his precious children. We're not the dogs in the metaphor anymore. We are welcome to come as his children. Isn't Jesus amazing? He's the healer. He's the restorer. He loves those who are vulnerable and those who are desperate. He's so good that the demons flee when he gives the word. He doesn't even need to be physically present with this lady's daughter in our passage this morning. He just gives the word and she's freed. Jesus was obedient to his Father's will, and he took on the burden of all our sins, all our error, even though it cost him so much. And he fulfilled all the law and all the prophets, like we were saying before, that all could come to him freely. Well, all of us here this morning have need of Jesus in our lives. We all need to know his goodness, his healing, his freedom. 
And we have such a wonderful model of how to approach Jesus in this remarkable Syrophoenician woman. I love her posture, don't you? She falls at his feet. And then instead of cowering away, hiding herself away and retreating when she doesn't immediately get the answer that she wanted, she doesn't give up. She converses with him and demonstrates her faith, her belief in the goodness of Jesus. She doesn't come to Jesus with any religiosity, with any gifts to try and repay him or any sort of bribes. No. She comes with unashamed lack, with just empty hands, and with unashamed boldness. And that potent combination of humility in ourselves, paired with confidence in the goodness of Jesus, is the essence of faith. I've personally found that in preparing this message, in looking at this story of the Syrophoenician woman, that it's really helped me with how I pray. In looking at the story, I've been convicted to have a fresh confidence in how I approach Jesus. And also reminded that I can never repay God for all that he's done for me. I love the verse in Hebrews 4. It was referenced earlier in our worship time. It says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chris. We're going to sing together in a moment to respond to God's word. But before we do that, let's just pray. Jesus, you are so wonderful. Thank you so much that you've made a way for us to be a part of your family and that your goodness overflows to us. Your love is so abundant. And Jesus, we trust that you are good. Even when our circumstances are bad, Lord, we trust that you are good. Help us now to approach you with confidence and humility that we might be truly a faith-filled people. Amen.